Welcome to the Citizens Youth Podcast. Citizens Youth is a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church in Vancouver, Washington. Citizens is a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit us online at nwgospel.com forward slash citizens. Good evening. It's uh, great to be here again. Great to see your obviously super attentive faces. Obviously super ready to dive in to get back into uh, Proverbs. Proverbs is we're going to see here tonight and moving forward in this series that we have that we're in week two of is an intensely practical book. Proverbs is one of those types of books that we're gonna, as we're going to dive into all these personality types, all these type of people that we're going to see in Proverbs, we're going to see our own sin cast into light. We're going to talk about what it is to be a scoffer, what it means to be a fool, what it means to fall into sexual immorality. And each time, we're going to see glimpses, we're going to see images of ourselves in there. Proverbs doesn't hold punches. Proverbs just kind of lets us have it. And so at times, it can be almost discouraging, right? Like, uh, we, we see uh, all these uh, ways that we continuously fail and it's like, well, should we just kind of give up? Is it time to be done? Hopefully we are, are able to see something maybe a little bit more positive, a path that Proverbs gives us tonight. We'll dive into that. So first off, I guess I want to ask you a different question, maybe a different question from what Courtney asked, or maybe somewhat related. What do you care about? Personally, I don't care about your answers tonight. You can journal about it later, but I'm assuming that most of you have something that you care about, something that is really important to you. For, as an example, my kids really care about cars. That started when they were super young, when they, had a, they got some toy cars from a garage sale, and that a set of a few cars that we got for like 50 cents has exploded into hundreds of these little Matchbox cars that flood literal rooms of our house on a regular basis, where there's some that I just can't enter because there's a random parking lot happening in there. As they've gotten older, when from the beginning, just playing with the cars, they got a little bit older, then they decided it was time to start learning about real cars. So as we were driving around Vancouver, they weren't old enough to actually know what cars were, but they still wanted to say what they were. So they wouldn't know that a car we were passing was a Toyota or a Mazda. They just created their own names for them. For example, one particular type of car was a Kit Kat car. Another type of car was a Broccoli I still, to this day, I don't actually know what any of them were, like, but they were really super consistent with it. I don't know what type of car was what, but it would be loudly in a high-pitched voice in my ear as we were driving through downtown Vancouver. As they've continued to age, now they read books about cars. They watch videos about cars. They have multiple magazine subscriptions about cars. And so now when we drive around, now it's uh, this almost overly competitive uh, between the two of them as to who can see what rare car spotted and say as many details about it as humanly possible. So one might say, hey, that's a Maserati. And the other one will say, hey, no, no, that's a 2018 Maserati because the headlights on it are exactly the same in the magazine that I read. I'm still not sure that they're right most of the time, but they're really, really confident in it. So they, they state that knowledge with confidence. What do you care about? 
Is it a sport? Basketball, football? You know the difference between a 3-4 and 4-3 defense and want to have a long conversation about the pros and cons of it? Are you the type of person that I may or may not be that people barely want to be in the same room with when a game may be on because you might be a tiny bit overbearing or loud or a little bit overly passionate at the time? Maybe it's music. Maybe you're the type of person who constantly has like a top 10 list of like rotating artists. Your friends are constantly rolling their eyes at you because you have this another new local artist who's, quote, super interesting. Spoiler, they're never super interesting. <laughs> but where you have, the, sometimes it is music. At times, one step further, how much time do you spend on what it is that you care about? My kids spend hours on this car subject, right? Watching those videos, reading those books, staring out the window. They will literally go to friends' homes, and instead of playing with said friend, they will find the tree in the backyard, partially climb up it so they can look out over the fence at the road that just parallels the backyard just to look at cars that are driving past. It's not a particularly nice neighborhood. It's not like great cars driving past all the time. It's just get down and play with your friend. That's like why we're here. Like get down out of the tree and play with your friend. But that's what they want to do. They want to spend the time up in the tree. When you're passionate about something, when you care about it, you spend time on it. You get informed. You become an expert. When I was growing up, I had this friend who was really passionate about the British royal family. She had basically the entire genealogy memorized, which was a little weird, but she really, the Henry 1 through 20, whatever, she knew all of it. And then we got on a trivia team together, like one of those knowledgeable teams, and found out that basically every competition had multiple questions about the British royal family in it. And we like cleaned up because this girl had all this information about that genealogy, so that was fun. What do you care about, students? Is wisdom, is your faith, is Jesus on that list? Christianity, our growth in our faith, our knowledge of our maker is not an effortless process. Proverbs is going to challenge us today. As I said, it's this intensely practical book. It's going to get in our face today a little bit. So let's dive in. Proverbs 2, verses 1 through 15, and then 20 through 22. This is the word of the Lord. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous, for the upright will inhabit the land and those with integrity will remain in it. 
but the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. Okay, a lot to get to tonight. Let's start back in verses one through five. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. In our series, in the verbs, we're going to be looking at these profiles. Last week, Courtney introduced this with this idea of lady wisdom. She, I would say correctly, noted that those who listen live. This time we're starting back in chapter 2, and the text is talking to us about a person of wisdom. How, do we, how are we wise? What is a person of wisdom? How are they defined? What drives them? How does that play out? So these verses here, I think, start out by asking us a question. Do you seek the Lord's wisdom? Do you seek the Lord's wisdom? We started tonight with talking about what we're passionate about. Here we see Solomon, the author of Proverbs, invite us directly to making the pursuit of wisdom that passion. So first, let's define a term or two, right? School started again, so everyone's really excited about learning about definitions, right? So let's dive into that. Wisdom, we can have kind of two different versions of it, the world's wisdom and the Lord's wisdom. So wisdom can be defined in the world's terms as knowledge of what is true or right. So that knowledge at times is more related to intelligence. Like wise people are smart people, like experts in their fields. If we want to think about wise people, we would think about like intellectual leaders in particular fields, philosophers, counselors, experts, people whose opinions we respect and admire. This pursuit of true and right knowledge consumes much of the atmosphere in our culture. And yet, we can run into a couple of hurdles. Like first, who defines what is true and right knowledge? Like the answer to that can vary wildly depending on who you talk to, right? Is it your parents that define it? Is it some random internet personality that defines what's true and right? Right? Does PewDiePie define what is true and right knowledge? He can, he can rack up uh, subs on YouTube, maybe not define true and right knowledge. Does the musician you follow define true and right knowledge? Right? Does Sean Mendez define true and right knowledge? Sean Mendez barely knows how to kiss a girl from what I saw last week, much less define true and right knowledge. Everyone is going to be in your ear defining what is truth, what is right. And it's going to be confusing if you're seeking the answers from places other than this book, from the Bible, from the Lord's wisdom. Second, this this definition of the world's uh, wisdom can make wisdom into something that we only get through what we're born with, right? If we have smart parents... If we're just smart enough, then we, can be, then we can be wise, right? Some are born smarter than others. Hate to break it to you. And yet, what does that mean, right? I'm not going to uh, point, point fingers as who might be smarter or, or other in the, in the room. But if that is what it is, that can be super depressing. If it's is wisdom only for those who are fortunate enough to have smart parents and win some sort of genetic lottery, 
We can get confused over who is wise, over how we get wisdom, and essentially just give up. We can believe that we'll never truly figure it out, and so why pursue wisdom when we just consistently screw up? Proverbs has a different way for us. This wise person pursues the Lord's wisdom. So let's get back to the text. What jumps off the page here? To me, it's that this pursuit of the Lord's wisdom requires work. Work to listen and work to search. So students, do you pursue the Lord's wisdom by listening? Right? Tonight can be a good example of that. (laughs) Frankly, are you listening? Are you working to receive words to treasure up commandments within yourself, to make your ears attentive to wisdom, to incline your heart to understanding? Or would you rather spend the time wanting to talk to your friends, to think about what you want to do when you get home? Does wisdom magically happen? Proverbs again says no. We listen so that we learn. Again, this isn't exactly like new ground, right? This is kind of like the foundation of our entire educational system. We listen so that we learn. If you come to church, if you come to citizens, and you refuse to listen, I have a spoiler for you. You will not gain wisdom. To seek the Lord's wisdom requires a listening heart. It also requires action. This person of wisdom in Proverbs seeks wisdom. The verse says, they seek it like silver, search for it as hidden treasure. Kind of this idea of hidden treasure before, right? We've seen pirate movies. There's hidden treasure somewhere, and that's kind of like this dangerous journey through uncharted waters. Johnny Depp acting super weird. There's like something, it's not like a quick uh, walk around the room, lift up a couple chairs and figure something out. There's a journey involved. My kids constantly lose their stuff. So, of course, their first reaction is to ask us to help them look for it, whether it's some Lego car, whether it's a stick that they brought in from outside, or on one fine fall day, some random frog that they brought in from outside and then lost. Their search habits typically look a little bit like this, where they Uh, walk around in a circle, not necessarily looking at the ground. That would be too easy. That's where things actually are. No, the search more uh, involves looking up for some reason, uh, never really down. And typically, the thing they're looking for is just right here, right, right there, right under their noses the entire time. So typically, as what it is right there, they still miss it constantly. Proverbs says we seek wisdom like silver, like treasure, this requires a hunt. This requires consistent effort. As one commentary on these verses put it, it requires constant meditation and a rigid discipline. So in other words, maybe in more plain English, we think about it a lot and we work at it a lot. The verse here even tells us to work harder at times, right? In verse three, it says, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. Maybe we call out for insight and it isn't there. 
So what are we supposed to do? Kind of give up again? No. We're supposed to raise our voice. Supposed to work even harder. Shout out for wisdom. Aggressively pursue it and look for it. We also may need patience in our pursuit of wisdom. It may not come immediately. I appreciate this more and more as I get older, as the amount of gray in this beard continues to grow ever apparent. When I was 15, I thought I had Christianity and wisdom super figured out. I'd read like two books. I was good to go. But then again, I also thought collectible Star Wars cards were cool, so I may have been slightly farther away from the goal as I thought I was at the time. Then when I was 25, I thought I had wisdom figured out. But I could barely figure out how to live on my own, definitely not to cook for myself. Again, maybe a little bit farther away from the goal. So now I'm older than 25. We'll leave it at there for tonight. Do I think that I have wisdom and Christianity figured out? Absolutely not. My pursuit of wisdom cannot stop. I'm wrong constantly. Hopefully, I'm not wrong uh, too much, and I'm trying to open up the word tonight, but I'm definitely still in process in learning. My kids would say that I am wrong a lot more than I might think, but then again, they are seven and eight. So... You know, their opinion. (laughs) Patience, citizens. Patience in wisdom. Patience to continue to seek wisdom, to pursue wisdom. Proverbs is telling us that we will miss God if we are not willing to pursue these items. Only through pursuing the knowledge of God will we better understand him. We'll continue to dive into this, but how do we understand the knowledge of God? When we know God, when we have accepted Jesus into our heart, when we have accepted Jesus as the representative of the Lord's wisdom in our life, we naturally react ethically to him. Like our will becomes naturally aligned to him. What we choose to do, what we choose to define ourselves, what we choose to act in our day-to-day life naturally becomes one with the Lord. Let's not miss the students, because this is key. If you say you know God, but you don't listen to his word, you don't follow his path, do you know God? Do you really have the knowledge of God? Do you seek the Lord's wisdom? Let's continue, verses 6 through 11. For the Lord gives wisdom... From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. Here we have good news, that God is on your side. The Lord provides wisdom to those who seek. The Lord provides wisdom to those who seek. We talked earlier tonight about the world's wisdom versus the Christian's wisdom. 
The world's wisdom says you can become smart enough, wise enough, good enough on your own. You are at heart a good person. Proverbs, and frankly, the rest of Scripture has a different story. Wisdom comes from the Lord. Look back at the verse here, right? For the Lord gives wisdom. Wisdom doesn't come because you have smart parents, right? Wisdom doesn't come because you read a particular book, watched a particular show. It comes from the Lord. This should be comforting for us. There is no six-step process to the Lord's wisdom. The Lord willingly provides knowledge and understanding. It says back in verse 6, from his mouth, from the Lord's mouth come knowledge and understanding. Guess what? We have the voice of God. We have the mouth of God. It, it happens to be this book, the Bible, that we can look at every day. Students, why do we spend so much time on a Sunday or on a Wednesday in, in the Word, in teaching? Because this book is and has to be the focus for us to find understanding in a confusing world. The Lord is for us. He stores up wisdom for us, meaning this is not a one-time event. It is not we are converted, get baptized, and then we just coast from there. He stores up wisdom for us. He continually provides wisdom to us. He is a shield to us. He protects us from sin. I spoke here a few weeks ago. We were in Psalm 2, and David talked about this idea of protection from the Lord, right? The Lord is a shield all around us, not just in front of us, but above, below, behind, all around. He is a shield for those of us who, quote, walk in integrity, as the verse says. Now that is a tough phrase for those who walk in integrity. In a moment of total honesty, how many of us in this room would say that we are people who 100% of the time walk in integrity? Always, there's always one. If we, we will never, ever on our own be people who are people of integrity without Christ. This is another bit of good news for us, right? When we seek the Lord, when we allow Jesus Christ into our lives, when we allow the definition of the Lord's wisdom, Jesus Christ, into our lives, he makes us as one holy and blameless before God. He makes us as one who can walk in integrity. As verse 8 says, he makes us his saints. And then he doesn't stop there. He purifies us and then protects us, guarding the paths of justice and watching over our ways. Praise God. As we'll see next, when the Lord is in our hearts, wisdom becomes far easier. I'll get questions now at this current stage in my life, in terms of how one becomes a good person, how, how one learns to be a man, how one learns to be a husband, father. I've grown to understand through the years that this is kind of actually the wrong question. If your goal, students, is to become a good person, you've kind of missed the point of Christianity. We'll go back to this again later tonight, but there are not three types of people, like really good people, good enough people, and the rest. There are Christians saved through grace and grace alone, and there's the rest. So when I get that question now, my first thought is, 
do they pursue Jesus? If they pursue Jesus, everything else tends to kind of fall into place. If you pursue Jesus, you naturally work to become a better man, a better husband, a better father, a better student, better uh, daughter or son, if you pursue Jesus, because you pursue the Lord's wisdom. We seek wisdom. The Lord provides wisdom, and then the Lord gives us the ability to understand wisdom. Verse 9, then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. Our world has a ton to say about righteousness and justice and equity, doesn't it? Every separate potential group with a grievance gets to define terms on what is righteous and just and equitable. With a strong desire not to get Courtney too many strongly worded emails tonight, I'm not going to dive into that in too much detail, but one tip Students, we are in the midst of one of those conversations. Whose definition of righteousness and justice and equity is being used in that discussion? Is it based off of feelings? Is it based off being a good person? Is it based off some worldly definition of that? Or is it based on God's definition of righteousness, of justice, of equity? Because his definitions are far different than what might get yelled at you at school or what might get yelled at you at some random intersection in downtown Portland. Verse 10 states that knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Now, here's a phrase that uh, growing up and as a student, I rarely heard anyone ever say. I did not necessarily hear people say that a particular class was pleasant to their soul. Wouldn't walk out of calculus and have someone say that integral, pleasant to my soul. The only class I could ever uh, think of was probably video productions my senior year of high school, which was just a bunch of my friends and I making skits on a video recorder for uh, most of a semester for like 90 minutes a day. That was super pleasant. We brought in a Nintendo one day, uh, played a WWF game, uh, made uh, the other uh, faculty uh, as uh, custom wrestlers. They could walk in and watch themselves fight. That was super pleasant to my soul. Not really knowledge, but I would say pleasant. So when we say something is pleasant, what do we mean by that, right? The word here translated pleasant in Hebrew is na'em. It means a quality that attracts one to an object. I think this is important, right? What do we think of as pleasant? Sometimes maybe like a smell, something will be a pleasant smell, like one of those glade plugins we put in, like some candle, the opposite of every boy's cabin at summer camp, that would be a, you know, that's what we're thinking of as like a, something pleasant. Sometimes we say like a person is pleasant. Like that, that dude's a pleasant dude, right? Uh, like Joe over there is a pleasant, pleasant guy, right? Now Joe's waiting for the shoe to drop. When we think something is pleasant, like typically we're saying, that's pretty good. Right? Like, it's not awesome, but it's, like, pretty good. Like, uh, like pretty okay-ish. Sorry, bud. But that's not what Proverbs is saying here. Like, knowledge, it becomes something attractive, something we desire, something we long for, something we look for our souls. When we know Christ, we pursue wisdom. Because it is mesmerizing for our soul, it is captivating to our soul. 
This gives us discretion. We become defined by our understanding. And at times, we need it because the enemy is real. The spirit of the age is real. And so we move on to the next uh, point in the text, that the Lord's wisdom protects from evil. The Lord's wisdom protects from evil. Let's read verses 12 through 15. Delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech, who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. Let's start again with the definition, the way. We're going to see this term a lot in Proverbs, so we might as well get it out of the way. Similarly, in the New Testament, we see walk. It's kind of this consistent, a very similar term. This way is how we live our daily life, our character and course. In these verses here in Proverbs, we are warned against men who want us to follow the way of evil, the ways of darkness, of men who are devious in their ways, who follow crooked paths. This is what the Lord's wisdom protects us from. One commentary puts it this way. The promised protection is first defined as deliverance from apostate, meaning wicked, men who have opted for dark and crooked paths instead of the Father's bright and straight ways. I read these verses at face value, and it's kind of easy to kind of skip over it because it almost seems like a cartoon villain that you're looking at, right? The level of kind of evil that's there. It almost feels like Ursula in The Little Mermaid, something like that, with that like deep belly laugh of evil that I will absolutely not do from the front here, but you kind of get the general idea. It's kind of like a Bond villain as they're uh, laughing about their plan as they've captured Bond and for some weird reason are telling him their entire strategic plan uh, with ways to actually beat that plan all while paired with some impossibly beautiful woman. That level of evil is what you read or can think of what I think of when I look at this text. So it's easy then to read these verses and flat out disregard them. We don't have necessarily a cartoon villain in our life, hopefully, fingers crossed for most of you, likely regardless of our feelings towards our parents at times. We don't have people who are that flat out evil, who delight in the perverseness of evil. So instead, we just kind of move on to the next verse. We have to be careful here. We have to remember what our world is. After Adam and Eve's sin in the Garden of Eden, we are all naturally sinners. In Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verse 1 through 3, it says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of my, mankind. We all, before Christ, were dead. We walked in sin. We lived based on the desires of our body and our mind. We, again, before Christ, were evil. That evil way is by nature dark. It is uncertain. It is not knowing what way is up or down, what way is right or true. It is by nature a crooked path winding 
based on the flavor of the month, whatever popular culture decides is the right direction for the time. We all have the potential for wickedness, for perversion of God's will. We all have the potential to forsake the paths of uprightness, to walk in the ways of darkness, to not only walk in that darkness, but to rejoice in doing so. What way are you following today, students? Who are you listening to? Do you listen at all? The only way to be protected from this evil is through the Lord. It is the only deliverance. We cannot, cannot do this on, the, on our own. How do we claim this right identity? How do we learn from Proverbs, from Solomon, from this man of wisdom? How do we add this and make this part of our own lives? Only through Jesus as the embodiment of that Lord's wisdom. Only the Lord's wisdom makes us right before God. Only the Lord's wisdom makes us right before God. Verses 20 through 22. So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. The Lord's wisdom makes our walk makes our way righteous. He keeps us to the right straight path. His wisdom will make us upright, will make us one of integrity. And more than that, the Lord's wisdom provides a promise, a promise that was fulfilled with Jesus Christ. As we discussed earlier tonight, he has made us clean. And as such, we will, as the verse says, inhabit the land. We will remain in it. What does this mean? Like, students, this, this is heaven. This is the promise for us. For those who pursue wisdom, those who pursue Christ, we will inhabit heaven, the land that Christ is preparing for us. But unfortunately, students, we can't miss, there's a warning here as well, a reminder of the binary choice, the either-or choice that we are faced with tonight and each day of our lives we talked before, there's not three ways. There's not really good, good-ish, good enough, and then everybody else. There is the upright and the wicked. What did we see in Ephesians? Without Christ, all of us would be wicked. All of us would be, as it says here, cut off from the land, rooted out of it. Without Christ, all of us would be that. Praise God for his wisdom his deliverance, and his provision away from this terrible end. As I, as I opened with, Proverbs is an intensely practical book of the Bible. We can kind of sugarcoat these messages at times in our faith because talking about heaven versus hell is not loving, really, as, as our culture would say. And yet, it is supremely, supremely not loving to ignore these clear warnings, to ignore these clear teachings. The Lord's wisdom makes us right before God. What are actual ways we can seek the Lord's wisdom now? First, we can read the Lord's wisdom here in Scripture regularly. What we will find is that this will constantly amaze us with new ideas out of it, 
as we read and grow. Second, we can listen to the Lord's wisdom, either here on a Wednesday night, a Sunday morning in the academy, or even to parents or other friends or mentors who God has provided to you for encouragement, guidance, and learning. Third, we can seek the Lord's wisdom by making it a priority. We started tonight with an appreciation for the amount of work we put into our passions for what we care about. As our culture states, if you want to go get something, right, you got to want it. You got to want it. Make the Lord's wisdom that thing you want, that priority in your life through how you walk, through how you are defined by the actions that you take in church and, more importantly, by who you are outside of these walls when just between you and the Lord and temptation is coming in strong. I'll ask you one last time. What do you pursue? Like my prayer, citizens, is as you continue to study these elements of Proverbs that you decide that the only thing, the only thing worth pursuing is a committed relationship with the Son of God, the source of all wisdom, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the hope of your wisdom. Thank you for who, uh, what you have done for us already and what you continue to do for us. Thank you that, that the conversion moment in, it, in and of itself, that accepting of you in, into our hearts is not it for you, that it doesn't stop there, that, that our pursuit of you and your pursuit of us never ends. Thank you for your continued provision of wisdom for us at every stage of life, that as we ask, as we seek, you continually, continually fill us up with wisdom, align us to the correct path. Lord, we cry for wisdom. Lord, give us hearts that seek that wisdom. Give us hearts that are aligned to your will, aligned to your ways, aligned to the Lord's wisdom. Let us be wise to understand the difference in how the world defines us and how the world defines true and right knowledge versus what your word says, versus what your voice says. Lord, convict us, Father, if we have not listened. Convict us, Father, if we do not actually know you. Lord, don't allow any of us to go through life believing the lie that we know you when we don't. Lord, connect us truly and fully with you. We thank you so much, Father, that you've given us that promise that we can look forward to, the promise of being able to inhabit the land. And we thank you for your provision that you have made us upright regardless of any of our mistakes, regardless of the mistakes we have made coming into tonight, regardless of the mistakes that we will make tonight, the regardless of the mistakes we will make moving forward that you have and will continue to make us upright and blameless before you. Thank you for the hope that you provide to us. Give us wisdom, Lord. Give us wisdom. We ask this in your powerful name. Amen.